for blessing us and uh, leading us. I guess some of the parents are relieved today. Kids' church is back on again so the kids can go out. And... We were sort of there a few years ago, but we're not there now. You don't want to go out there, do you, Elliot? Better not ask because you might say yes. <laughs> right, let me just get this set up for plan B. Righto, sometimes you've got to just do this a couple of times. You know when you turn your phone on and it doesn't do the thing it normally does? Something's had an update or something? We'll try this again. That's better. Excellent. Okay, we've um, got a new sermon series we're starting uh, today. Uh, spiritual warfare, you might have seen that on the Facebook page and also shot out an email earlier in the week as well, um, just encouraging uh, you guys to read through the book of Ephesians and particularly get down to Ephesians chapter 6 and spend some time in there and reading through verses 10 to 20. So uh, we are going to kick into that. I'm looking forward to this, um, very much so. Um, over the next probably eight or nine weeks we'll spend some time uh, looking at um, these verses. I've um, Early this year I read one of Martin Lloyd-Jones' books, um, Christian Warfare, and I'm about uh, four chapters from the end of his second book, which is Christian Soldier. And he actually preached, I think, uh, 58 sermons on Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. I won't do 58 sermons on Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. I'm, I'm nowhere near the ilk of uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, but I think there's a good probably eight or nine messages we can talk there as we actually look at this really vital, important topic of uh, spiritual warfare. Uh, When I was younger, um, I used to watch a lot of war movies. When you're young, you sort of like that whole male bravado thing of tanks and guns and missiles and whatever. And I'll probably give my age away here. Who's ever seen Von Ryan's Express? A few hands going up. Uh, The guns have never owned. More hands are going up. Good. The Dirty Dozen. A few more hands going up. It's probably back in the 70s, okay, guys. Some of you are saying, I've never heard of these movies. I loved them. I loved them. Just the way you could just see this determined resistance from these soldiers as they were behind enemy lines or they were taking out um, military installations or wherever it was. Amazing. Elliot and I actually went and watched a film, I think it was last year, we went, we, we went and watched Dunkirk, uh, which is just a great picture there of the, the uh, Allied evacuation on the shores of Dunkirk of France when they had to get back over to England. Uh, again, it was just this amazing picture here of, of resoluteness and determination by the Allied forces to evacuate their soldiers from this marauding, advancing German army at the time. And uh, they, do, they did, they just stood there in this determination till all the boats had come across and evacuated all these soldiers across. It was a real picture of determination and willingness to stand. And, and that's precisely what we're going to see today as, uh, as we read through these passages here and uh, go over the next few weeks from Ephesians chapter 6, verses uh, 10 to 20. So if you've got your Bibles, let's, uh, let's read through that now. And we'll read through the same passage every week for the next few weeks, and I'm sure we'll get something out of it every time as we read through this. So Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Amen. Father, thank you uh, today that we can begin this series on spiritual warfare. And I really ask and pray that, Holy Spirit, you will do something amazing within me and something amazing within Exchange Church. God, I pray that we will resist the enemy's work, even in our hearts right now, that would want us to switch off, maybe from listening to this. God, help us to be really aware of the spiritual battle every single person is involved in. And I ask now that you would help us to be strong in the power of his might, and that Lord, we would uh, stand against all of the wickedness that the enemy would throw against us. And God, we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we start this series today on spiritual warfare, which I think will be critical in our lives and as individuals also for the life of Exchange Church. Uh, spiritual warfare is critical because I believe that often our lives are marked by defeat and weakness. Often our lives are marked by defeat and weakness. Uh, situations and circumstances come along which are challenging and so, how, so easily they can roll over us and flatten us like a steamroller at times. For some, it could be a difficult conversation I've got to have, or it could be a difficult person I've got to face to deal with. And then this battle starts in our mind, and often we allow that battle then to crush us. For some, the slightest difficulty in life seems to just take all the wind out of our sails, and we just fall in a heap. I think we actually sometimes fail to see the spiritual dimension that is taking place there. And before we know it, we are defeated. The same can go for the church. Sometimes the church will meet with opposition uh, to spiritual growth or the gospel going forward. It could be a challenge to biblical truth about gender and identity. It could be a challenge to morality and the right to die laws that we're seeing currently going around Australia. And it's surprising sometimes how the church can just cave in, as it were, to society and go with the flow, other than being willing to stand up and have a a different opinion at that time. And when the church, which has a mandate for the glory of God, does that and doesn't uh, refer back to biblical truth, just rolls over, as it were, in the face of society, the church then becomes this weak, anemic, powerless little mouse, as it were, cowering in the corner and not being willing to stand. The church then is neither salt or light in the community when it is like that. We've totally lost sight of the spiritual battle that's going on around about us when that is happening. Now, partly that can be because by nature we want to avoid conflict. 
And that's not necessarily wrong because nobody really enjoys going into conflict. But as we'll see over the oncoming weeks, there's already a conflict going on in the world around about us. And we can't avoid that if we want to remain faithful in Christ and what he's called us to. I'm convinced that much of the weakness in our spiritual lives as well is because we are unaware of the spiritual battle that we're in. We just don't perceive it. We just don't know about it. Also, much of our defeat and weakness is because we aren't equipped for the spiritual battle that we are called to be in. We just don't equip ourselves. And I'll go even further and say this, that much of our weakness and defeat is because we also we don't take hold of what God gives us to stand in the battle. God provides his resources and grace, but we just don't take hold of them. And then we are defeated and we are knocked over by Satan so very easily because we haven't taken up by what God has given to us. Simply we don't use what God gives us. Paul though here in Ephesians reminds us of a real spiritual battle that we are in. And today we're going to look at that by doing a quick recap on how did Paul actually get to Ephesians chapter 6. Then we'll see God's sovereign power available to and through us. And then we'll see our responsibility to take up that power today. So what we want to get to is to see that God provides for us and that we are responsible to take up what he provides and to use in our lives. You might call it God's sovereignty and human responsibility here working in spiritual warfare. First, though, like a bit of a recap. We won't sort of go right through every single verse here of um, how Paul got to uh, Ephesians 6. But I hope as you did read through Ephesians uh, this week, and particularly as you got to uh, chapter 6, you'll see it's a mighty book. It's a book that is packed full of the glorious blessings that Christ has achieved for us here uh, and and through Calvary for our lives now. Paul writes this from a Roman prison cell where he's chained 24 hours a day uh, to a Roman soldier. So I guess he's very well acquainted with their battle gear. Hence, that might have actually helped when he was writing this part of the letter because he was seeing them there. Maybe not the prison guards were in their full battle regalia, but he would be very familiar with Roman soldiers. He writes here to the Ephesians, over the first three chapters of this book, as you hopefully would have read, Paul unpacks the gospel of Jesus Christ. He unpacks here this very good news about the mystery and the beauty of the unsearchable riches of Christ in these first few chapters. In chapter 1, Paul begins by telling us here again of this enormous eternal spiritual blessings that God has predestined us to in Jesus Christ. Chapter 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Uh, Then later in that chapter, Paul prays that magnificent prayer that the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our understanding would be open to see what God has blessed us with in Christ. Chapter 2, Paul reminds us again of who we were and what position we were in before Jesus uh, intervened in our lives. Ephesians 2, 1 says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Prior to Christ, we had no no spiritual life whatsoever. We were as dead as a doornail. I'm not sure if you've seen too many doornails, but they don't do too much. They just sit in the, the, um, the door jam and they're dead as. We were also children of wrath, totally ignoring God and doing our own thing prior to Christ. Then God comes and intervenes in our life 
by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're told there in chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. God comes and saves us by his grace through faith. We also find out there we were divided and hostile towards each other prior to the gospel. And we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, but now God has united us into one new person. No longer divided, no longer hostile, but now one new person. In chapter 3, the gospel now has been revealed fully to the current generation, where Paul is in at that particular time. And he tells us now also that the church has the task of revealing this glorious gospel, the unsearchable riches of Christ as well. Just as Paul has done it then, he's saying the church will also do this task. We see a change then in Ephesians. It goes from sort of laying out these um, sort of grand plans and these uh, pictures of what Christ has achieved for us, like the theology, you might say, or the teaching of the gospel. And in chapter 4, we have what we call a gospel implications about responsibilities now, what we do because we are new people. In other words, this truth that's been revealed to us has got to be lived out. Paul calls us in chapter 4 to walk or to live as Jesus has called us to walk in unity and to grow in maturity. We are told to put off the old man and put on the new man. Chapter 5 and part of 6, we are then to walk or live in love, separating ourselves from evil works and then clinging hold to what is Christ has given to us. We must also in chapter 5 as well, we have that uh, beautiful part there about relationships where we must submit all of our relationships, all of our relationships to the headship of Christ so that we can flourish in marriage, family and work. He lays it out there through chapter 5 and part of chapter 6. Now we get to the latter part of chapter 6 where we are today. But what's important to note here that as we get to chapters 4, 5 and 6, this all springboards from what God, from what God, what God has already done for us in Christ. It's a foundation that Paul lays here through what Christ has done and chapters 4, 5 and 6 springboards off what Jesus has achieved for us. It becomes the foundation of God's free grace in our lives. And from that point on uh, of salvation by grace, do we now take on our responsibilities to live this out, to live this out as followers of Jesus. So we're not doing, as in the the parts of chapters 4, 5 and 6. We're not doing to achieve something or earn something or get something in the way of salvation. We're not doing that to receive something. We are doing chapters 4, 5 and 6 because something's already been done for us. And I can't emphasise just how important that is. Often we think we're doing or we fall into the trap of thinking that we're doing to earn something or achieve something, to somehow earn God's favour or earn God's love or something. Everything we do in the gospel, everything we do in our Christian life comes from the foundation of what's already been done for us. It's really important we get that. That's why Paul lays out three chapters of saying, this is what Christ has done for us. This is what Christ has done for us. Now, because you know what he's done for you, let's live this way. Really important that we get that. Then Paul stops us in our tracks after outlaying all this glorious stuff about what Christ has achieved now and what the implications are of gospel living. He stops us in our tracks and says, you're in a battle. You're in a battle. Uh, And this battle is against an evil, wicked, hateful, unrelenting foe 
bent on destroying this new community that has been formed. It's a glorious community that we look at and anybody, even if you're an unbeliever, would look at this community of believers and say, this is a great community to be a part of. But Paul stops us in our tracks and says there's an unrelenting evil foe who's bent on destroying this new community. Paul stops us in his tracks and says, bang, you're in a battle. So that's where we're going to pick it up now today in Ephesians chapter 6. And over these next few weeks, we're going to look here really carefully at these uh, 10 or so verses. So read with me again here as we look at verses 10 and 11 and we deal with God's strength. Ephesians 6, 10, 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. What do we see there, guys? What do we see when we look at that verse? What stands out to us as we read that? This is what really good Bible reading is about. It's actually looking at something and seeing words that might pop out to you, words that stand out, words that actually begin to say something to you. Paul's addressing the Ephesians here, and he's also addressing us as well as he writes this. He doesn't know he's addressing us 2,000 years ago thereabouts, but he's addressing us today under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Finally, exchange church. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. There's a command here for us from the Holy Spirit. It says, be strong. Be strong. Don't be weak. Don't flop over the breeze. But be strong. Where does the strength come from? Do we muster all this strength up ourselves? For where do I find this power? I'm told here to be strong. Let's keep looking at that verse. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's from God Almighty, the creator of the universe. This is where our strength comes from. In facing all spiritual battles, it's absolutely critically important again that we know where our strength comes from. Even as generals and those movies we watched years ago, as they were plotting a battle about what they're going to do and how they're going to calculate what's happening, they're also calculating what is our strength. What are our strong points? Where is our strength going to come from so that we can face the enemy with? For if we don't know where our strength comes from, we will go into a battle with no confidence. We'll have no idea how we're going to face the enemy. It's important we know where our strength comes from and where this power resides. The Bible teaches us right throughout that God sovereignly rules the universe. He's created. And I think everybody here, if they're truly honest, will all believe in a higher power somewhat out there. Everybody. Even if it's someone's an unbeliever, there's a general sense of I think there's something out there that's sort of holding all this together. That there's some higher power here that's actually orchestrating all of this. We may not fully understand, or the unbeliever may not fully get it, but deep down there'll be something within them that say, yeah, I believe there's something out there that holds all this together. And we're told in Hebrews about this something in very clear terms, that God spoke the universe into existence with a single word. God with unlimited power spoke the universe as we know it, as much as we can see of it. We don't see all of it. He spoke everything into place with a single word. Now that's 
unfathomable. God is unlimited in his power. It is his might that we are now able to take hold of. We might think it mind-blowing to see powerful rockets, as it were, sent off into space when you see those guys build that stuff and they just shoot it up there and it does its few loops of a moon and then come back. Uh, that is pretty mind-blowing. But it's nothing, it's nothing compared to the one who with a single word sent space rocketing into existence. Just one word and everything just happens and appears. This is the unlimited power of the God that we serve, the God who's created all things. And this same God dwells in us for the spiritual battles that we find ourselves in. Have a look at Matthew 28 with us. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe that I have all that I've commanded you. And behold, listen to this, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus, the all-powerful one, is with us always, always, in every battle to the end of the age to the end of our time here upon earth. doesn't matter what we're going through, how difficult the battle might be, how sharp it may be, Jesus, who holds all power and all authority, is with us. He's with us in that battle. Paul, again, earlier in this book, revealed this power toward us as well. Ephesians 1, 19 and 21. And he says this, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the age to come. Paul's giving us here this extraordinary picture of the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus' power is above every other power and its immeasurable greatness is towards us. It's immeasurable. You cannot measure the power of Christ. You cannot measure the power of God. It's immeasurable. It's uncontainable. It is unlimited. And this is the power, this is the strength that God wants us to work in for our lives in these battles. Again, Paul says it in Colossians 1.29. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. Paul is toiling, but how's he doing that? He's doing that by the energy that he powerfully, and that he is God, who powerfully works in Paul. It's God's power working in us. Now, I could take you to a whole stack of other passages that says the same thing. It just is beyond question in the Bible when we think about this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the power that works in us. God graciously gives us the power in this battle. We aren't in this battle in our own power. If we were according to some of the war movies I've seen, you would barely get your head above the trench and you'd be shot down if it was in our own power. We just would not even make it out of the trenches of these battles if it was all in our power. 
Thank God it's not in our power, but it's in his power. And we've got to see that that power that is required to stand, that power that is the only power that will overcome the battles we face, this comes from God. We've got to see that. This is where the power comes from in this battle. So Paul tells us right at the outset when he says, finally, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. His might. God will not fail us. God will not let us down. There is none that can hold back the hand of God. No one, if God stretches out his hand, I'm talking metaphorically, can actually has the power to push God back out of the situation. It can't happen and it won't happen. It will never happen. There is none can challenge the power and authority of God. If we can get hold of that truth, that it's God's power supernaturally, by his spirit working in our lives, if we can embed that deep into our minds and get our hearts to see that as Paul wants us to see that, pray that the eyes of our heart are open up, it can only serve to do one thing. It can only serve to build our confidence and to build our strength as we think about this power that is working in us. Okay, what else do we see here in verses 10 and 11 as we think about it? As we think about this battle or our battle. Let's read again. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. What else do we see there as we look at that? Particularly perhaps in verse 11. If we ask ourselves what's happening in verse 11. Who's doing the standing here? Who is standing God is giving us his power in this battle so that we can stand. We can stand. It's us who's standing. We are in this battle. God's giving us his power to stand in the battle. We have an active role to carry out in the spiritual battles around about us. And it's critically important that we get this as well that we are equipped to be in this battle and to stand in this battle. It's, it's important because sometimes I think some people have this concept of God or the Christian life or the gospel that somehow God will remove me out of the battles of life, that actually I won't have to take part in these battles. It's like somehow you know, this is what God normally does. He just takes us out. I think sometimes people believe this. And when troubles come along, they believe that God will just remove me from this battle and then somehow the, you know, God will just take all this hard stuff away from my life and I won't have to go through this. We can sometimes think the Christian life is meant to be trouble-free. That you know, These battles around about me, that's, you know, if I become a Christian, that'll all go away to some extent. That somehow my day-to-day problems will be just looked after by God and I won't have to go through them. That's just not true, is it? That's just not true. If we think about our own experience in life, have you or I suddenly just realised that every time a problem comes along, we just seem to just incredibly just taken away from it? Just doesn't happen in life like that, does it? We actually have to stand through these challenges. Look what Paul says there in verses 10 and 11. He tells us there these things. He says to be strong. He tells us to put on God's armour. And he tells us to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, as you read that, we are actively involved here. We are actively involved. We, we play a major part. Paul's including us in this battle. We are active participants. We're not sort of um, in the crowd sort of watching as this battle goes on. 
God has sovereignty, uh, God in his sovereignty, sorry, has called us to be responsible, moral people and to live up to the responsibilities he's given to us. And part of those responsibilities is to engage in this warfare, is to engage in this battle. We can see this many other times elsewhere in the Bible as well. Ephesians 4.1, where Paul makes this big change uh, in the book of Ephesians. He says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The gospel, the truth that Paul's unpacked for the previous three chapters, now empowers us to walk or live out our responsibilities as followers of Jesus. This is our calling. Urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. We aren't passive bystanders here. We are urged to live it out, to let it work its way out through our lives. Again, in Romans uh, chapter 8, he says this. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Look again, as we've got that up there. See again, we are called to this responsible life to no longer live by our sinful desires or sinful nature, but we are called to put to death the deeds or sinful desires of our sinful nature. Who puts those deeds to death? Who puts those deeds to death? You do. I do. We do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are to put to death those sinful desires. It's our responsibility. God equips us for that. He gives us the power to engage in life's battle and where it comes to us, we put to death, we, we use what God gives to us to put to death, to kill these sinful desires that would rise up in our minds. We are actively engaged in this spiritual warfare. Again, in verse 11 here, let's have a look what our part is. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. First, we put on God's armour. And we'll get to that over the next few weeks. And then we are told to stand against the devil. We're told to stand. Do you know what the word stand means there? You might be thinking, Todd's standing at the front. Is that what it is? Just stand? Could it mean like standing in a line at a cafe waiting for your lunch or your coffee? Could it mean that? Not quite, not quite, actually not at all. The word stand there means to resist. It means to hold firm. It means to endure with courage. It means to actually hold as long as you have to hold, to not give in, to not give up. An illustration that came to mind for me as I was thinking about this earlier in the week uh, comes from American history with, uh, by a man by the name of General George Custer. You might have heard of Custer's Last Stand. In 1876, uh, General Custer was attacked with overwhelming odds against himself and his battalion. He totally underestimated a native Indian village he was going to to um, uh, do uh, take hold of. He had six or seven hundred troops and he arrived at this uh, native Indian village and there was two and a half thousand native Indian men there ready to rise up against him. Uh, Custer resisted and stood firm through an intense bloody hand-to-hand battle of combat but eventually his battalion was overcome and many were killed. Even General George Custer himself 
died on a, on, a, on a hill as some of the last people to be killed. And it was known there as Custer's Last Stand. It was resistance. It was determination. It was to endure to the very end. And unfortunately for General Custer, it cost him his life. But we are called by God and empowered by, with his strength to stand, to resist, to endure, to hold on, to be firm in the battle. This is what Jesus calls us to. And this is what the Spirit empowers us for in spiritual warfare, in spiritual battles. We are called to doggedly, doggedly, with fierce determination to be willing to step up to the plate and to take our stand in this battle. That's what God is calling us to do and that's what God is equipping us for. When the battle rages with intensity and we seem absolutely overwhelmed, the Spirit empowers us to stand and hold firm and not run or cower in the corner. Or when the winds of adversity are blowing like a gale in our face with challenges left, right and centre, the Spirit empowers us to stand in the face of those winds, in the face of those battles, doggedly to fiercely resist whatever the enemy may be throwing at us. This is the call to stand. Now, primarily, we do this standing on our own. We do this standing on our own in the power that God gives to us. This really is a solo task primarily. To explain that, I mean this. I'm not fighting your battles and you're not fighting my battles. So primarily, we face these battles on our own. Yes, we get help from the, from the body and friends and other believers but we still have to face this battle primarily on our own with God's strength and God's power within us. And that's not excluding the Holy Spirit's not with us. True, the Holy Spirit is with us. But primarily we stand on our own. I don't fight your battles and you don't fight my battles. We do this on our own. Uh, Now for myself, I've experienced one of these battles firsthand over the last few months. Um, Just we all go through those seasons and I know myself The last few months, I've had to fight through a large amount of discouragement and despair over the last few months. And it's just one of those things that's highlighted to me again the battles and seasons we go through. I know sometimes that I felt hopelessly weak, hopelessly weak over the last few months. And my my confidence levels were either at zero or negative zero if there's such a thing. Sometimes I've arrived here of a Sunday morning And I've been battling fear and nervousness. And and, six months ago, it wasn't like that. But I've been through a period of the last few months just feeling absolutely weak and no confidence and fearful and nervous. And perhaps only my family would know parts of that battle. But as I've pushed on in this battle, God's revealed amazing things to me and amazing moments of God's grace. Because for the last month or so, I've had this renewed sense of God's power working through me. And that's what God does. He he allows us to endure through these battles and he reveals more of himself out the other side of it. And sometimes through various stages as well. And for me, it's been things like this. Thinking and meditating upon these truths. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. 
Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. As I've reflected and called that to mind and thought about it, God's spirit has supernaturally renewed my strength and confidence. I can't explain it any other way than that. I keep doing what I know I've got to do and I do it through a lot of times where it's fearful or despairing or discouraged. I just You've you got to push through that. And you push through that knowing that it's God's power working in me and it's his might that I do it by. And incredibly, God does renew that in our hearts and our minds as we go through. And then you feel your confidence maybe just rise up as God works in me. Sure, I'm in that battle, but it's God who's right there with me and his strength is unstoppable and unlimited and it just begins to renew us in that way. Just as we close here, I don't know where you are up to today. I don't know what season you're going through. You may not even be a Christian and you may think that all Christians have got their life together and they don't get through any battles at all and never face any problems. You might look in on the church and think all these people have got their lives together and they don't have any dramas. Or maybe you are a Christian and you are wondering, why is this battle going on within me? Why am I always, or not always, perhaps I'm going through seasons of challenge and seasons of sort of victory. What's happening here? There's a battle going on. There's a battle going on. It's a spiritual battle. And we are actively engaged in it. If you're looking from outside and you're not a believer... Christians are not immune to battles. It happens. In fact, I would say that Christians will have more battles in life than unbelievers, as we'll see in the weeks to come. We don't fight this battle in our own strength. We fight this battle in the strength and the power that God gives to us. And we don't ultimately fight it alone. We fight it with God's spirit within us and the support of others alongside us. So we are strong in the Lord. We are strong in the Lord and the strength of his might and we fight this battle with God right beside us. And all I can say today as we, as we close here, don't give up. Stand. And having done all, stand in his power and in the strength of his might. Let's pray. Father, I uh, thank you today that we can uh, come to this passage here in Ephesians. God, I thank you uh, that you are filled with grace and mercy, that, Lord, you have given us here instructions uh, for this battle. God, you've given us here more than instructions. You've given us power in this battle. God, you've given us uh, more than power. You've given us yourself to be with us in this battle. Lord, today I pray for not only now, but in the oncoming weeks as we work our way through these verses and we see uh, this wicked enemy that is hell-bent on destroying us, God, how you graciously hold us up and you graciously reveal more of yourself to us through this battle. God, I pray today that we will commit to these next weeks to really be thinking over Ephesians and thinking over this passage here. And God, that we will be building with your power and your spirit within us determination and grit, grit to resist Hold firm, endure and stand and to see your glorious grace 
do that in our lives. Father, this I ask and this I pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. We're going to have Dan come and uh, take us around the communion table. We're going to have um, Joel and Nathan, I think, to hand out the elements. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stay and join.